2: Oh, thank goodness for that snooze button.
1: Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim.
2: And I'm Christina M.
1: Well, today we are going to be talking about fake news and I know that's probably a term that you wish was over when the election was over but <laughs> this is our culture these uh-huh, days <laughs> with the
2: covid vaccine coming oh, out oh that's true lots yeah of you opinions thought there. things were crazy
1: <laughs> now just wait wait yeah. until that vaccine goes yes. out so <laughs> happy
2: 2021 folks
1: <laughs> so fake news cancel culture and honestly that's and here's why because we need more discernment we need to be able to discern better online and that's why we are going to be interviewing a friend daniel darling who we lived in the same neighborhood with like pretty much the same neighborhood Mm -hmm. when we lived back in nashville
2: so daniel is the senior vp for communications at the national religious broadcasters And he also served for six years as the Vice President of Communications for ERLC, which
1: stands for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Dan is the author of nine books, including most recently Away With Words and The Best-Selling Characters of Christmas. Dan's work has been featured in outlets such as USA Today, Washington Post, The National Review and Christianity Today. He and his wife, Angela, have four children, and they attend Green Hill Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, where Dan serves as the pastor of teaching and discipleship. Yeah,
2: the church was literally five minutes away from our house. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. crazy.
1: Yeah. So let's listen. Well, Dan, it's so great to have you on the podcast today.
3: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate being on here and a huge fan of the work that you're doing.
1: Man, it's it's so good to to talk to a friend. And actually, we lived in like a very—I mean, we didn't live in the same neighborhood, but we lived really close, close. to each other. Yeah, while we were in Nashville and Mount Juliet. So it's good to good to talk to you uh, in that way. All right. So you know what? We want to talk about your newest book, which is "Away with Words: Using Online Conversations for Good." And you know, in many cases, uh, a book is written, uh, and and it, it kind of it's written in a way that comes from noticing what's going on in our world today. And then you've written multiple books and you know, there's always that delay in submitting your manuscript to a year <laughs> later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's interesting is as with, with your book, I mean, it's so timely for what's going on in our culture today. So um why don't you just give us a sense as to uh, what trends you've been noticing that led you to writing this book?
3: Well, it's interesting. I did... You know, have this idea, you know how the life cycle of a book, you have an idea a couple of years ago, and then you sort of put it together, and you put the proposal together, and you work on it, and then I turned the manuscript, you know, I turned it in before 2020. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I anticipated the election, because I knew that was coming, and I knew it would be divisive. I had no idea we'd be arguing over face masks, and, you know, racial tension, and Mm. and 17 other things. Mm. Um. So it really does seem timely, but there's a couple of reasons I wrote it. I mean, number one, I've always been a lover of words, you know, ever since I've been a, a kid, you know, my parents got three newspapers that would come to the to the house and I'd read them hmm. from the time I was a, just a little kid. Uh, I, I read everything I could to get my hands on. My life has been all about words and I love words. I love reading words. I love creating, stringing words together to create things. And so... That's that's one thing, and you know, Christianity is a religion of words. If you think about it, we have a God who spoke the world into existence. We have mm-hmm. Jesus, who's described as the the Logos or the Word of God. We have the Bible, which is God's written word to us, and so the Bible has a lot to say ab- about words. We as image bearers, the way we speak, uh, matters that like God. Uh, cares about how we speak. There's a lot in scripture about the shape of our words. I think sometimes Christians feel like as long as I'm on the right side of an issue, it doesn't matter how I say it. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. So that's, that's like the one reason I wanted to write this book. The second one was just to address the fact that we live in this digital age where it's never been easier to communicate, never been easier to publish. I mean, with a few taps of your thumbs or a few strokes on your keyboard, you can publish messages to the world mm-hmm. And provoke a conversation, ask ourselves the question, how do we steward this opportunity well? How do we steward well our words online? I don't think we're going to go back uh, in time. I think the internet's here to stay. Mm -hmm. I think social media's here to stay. We're not going to all suddenly become Amish. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do we steward this well? And what does that look like?
2: Well, I think it was a perfect question for this time, especially in twenty twenty and going into twenty twenty one when I think a, a few of us feel like as soon as the calendar switches over, everything's gonna be done, right?
1: Like and that <laughs> just will come, right? exactly
2: yeah. we'll just no. shake it <sighs> and erase everything that has happened in twenty twenty. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, podcast family, if you feel this way, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm yeah, just gonna yeah. say it right now. Pop that balloon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Dan, you mention a phrase in your book. Uh, time and time again, called online discernment, and I think it's really, really mm. timely for this for this moments that we have. Uh, what does online discernment mean, and what does it really practically look like?
3: Well, I think it means a couple of things. I think number one, you know, at the heart of it, discernment is deciding, dis- distinguishing between what is true and beautiful and what is not. Mm. And uh, in a fallen world, we constantly have to have discernment, and we actually practice that in our lives, right? We we decide if the food in the refrigerator is good or bad. Is it moldy or is it not? Can we eat it? Can we not? Or the kind of food we put into our body, or you know, the choices we make. Um, we, we need to practice that with our information intake. And this is not old. I mean, the Bible talks about watching what you put into your mind, renewing your mind. A lot of those things. We also have to use discernment about the way the words we choose to use. Sometimes this idea of discernment is hijacked a little bit. So again, I think we need. Discernment, Christians Christians especially do. There's a lot of stuff out there. Some of it's false teaching. Some of it's heretical. Some of it's bad for our faith. Uh, every generation of the church has had to fight against heresy and stand up for orthodoxy. Uh, you see, Paul telling Timothy and Titus as you know, Paul's at the end of his life, and he's telling his young proteges to be stand firm in the faith. Jude is saying to earnestly contend for the faith. So that kind of discernment is really important. And yet there 's a kind of and I want to be careful here, but there 's a kind of discernment ministry that is less about choosing between the true and good and beautiful and what it 's not and and more about a kind of gotcha tabloid supermarket tabloid style hmm. ministry where it 's like let me find out what everyone 's doing wrong you know it 's based on who you know who's a heretic today and and sort of gotcha journalism that i don 't think is discernment I think it's more what Paul talks about endless arguments and foolish controversies. And so we have to be, even be discerning about our discerning, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. So you're talking ministry like quotations, like discernment ministry, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. And then I always think on the flip side, right? When If there would be no, quote unquote, discernment ministry, if it didn't feed hungry people, You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if there was no need for it, no desire for it, maybe that's a better word, no appetite for Mm -hmm. it, then we really thought those discernment ministries wouldn't exist because no one would care. So, in that sense, Mm -hmm. I'm really appreciating that you're saying, yeah, we need to be uh, discerning in not only what we write, but also what we take in.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, I talk in the first chapter about this because. I don't know about you, but me, whenever I can't sleep at night, you know, my phone is across the room. I did that purposely, but I find ways to get up and get it.
2: (laughs) You're sleepwalking. You know, those
3: sleep sleepless nights you (laughs) kind of like endlessly scroll or look on Google and just keep okay, what can I read here? There's a I talk about the difference between a genuine hunger for knowledge and wisdom, which is encouraged by the the scriptures. I mean, we have a whole book of Proverbs that encourages us to pursue wisdom and knowledge. And, you know, that pursuit actually is a posture of humility. It's saying, I don't know everything, right? Uh, the fear of the yeah. Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The idea that I'm not God and I don't know things means I need to be curious. That curiosity we have for wisdom and knowledge is good. It's God given. But there's a difference between that and a kind of, um, seeking after kind of junk food information, Mm. Um, what Paul often talks about being a busybody, uh, And actually, secular sociologists have discovered this too. Uh, Nicholas Carr in his book, The Shallows, talks about the way that we skim information now is not actually, we're not actually getting smarter. We're getting less smart because we're skimming, 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 and not doing any kind of deep reading. mm -hmm. And I think behind all this is, sorry, the temptation that, the serpent gave to Eve in the garden when he basically said, "Why settle for being an image bearer of God? Why don't you you can be God?" And and underneath that was, "You can know, you can be all knowing." Hmm. Um, and actually, there's a writer named Jen Michelle. It's a great book called "Surprised by Paradox," and she talks about the temptation to try to be all knowing. Hmm. See, we weren't we weren't wired to be all knowing. Only God is omniscient, omn knowing, all knowing. And one of the things that keeps us tethered to our phones and keeps us thirsty for that kind of salacious tabloid style information that doesn't really help us, but we want We have to be in the know about is this idea that we can be all-knowing, we can be in control, that there's Mm -hmm. something out there. And and what keeps us tethered to our phone and worried when our phone is away from us is this idea that there's something going on out there that I don't know about, Mm -hmm. that I'm not in control of. Yeah. right if you spend a day without your phone you feel just kind of like out of control like <laughs> yeah. you don't yeah, and yeah. i think we have to resist that uh which means we have to sometimes say there's a controversy or a thing going on here that i don't really know about and i don't really need to know about When paul says uh i i determined not to know anything among you except jesus christ not to say he buried his head in the sand but mm-hmm. he's saying i don't have to know and
0: Be in the know about every single thing. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babyland Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold
1: that 's so good, so you know I, I just wanted to zoom in a little bit on on that notion of online discernment right that phrase and and for us there 's lots going on in the news, and I think every generation uses social media a little bit different, mm-hmm. right Some just mm-hmm. uh, repost and you know their feeds are always just reposting, others like to write little uh, you know how they 're feeling, especially in, in light of something or they 'll repost with a comment and and others will just write up a, a, a new. Um, a new post in, in its entirety, sharing something or sharing how they're feeling about what's going on right now. And and then many respond, respond. And, and sometimes we respond quicker than we ought to. So what are ways that we can use online discernment before we post and before we respond to someone on social media?
3: Well, I think there's a couple of things to, to ask ourselves. Uh, number one... Why am I doing this? Hmm. So am I doing this because I genuinely want to stand up for the vulnerable or I want to speak out on something that I think is important, which I think we should do, by the way. I don't think we should withdraw. I think we should make our voices heard. We should speak up and speak out for truth and speak up for the vulnerable Um, or however we… Whatever our calling is, but asking ourselves, why am I am I doing this out of that genuine desire, or am I doing this to try to signal to a certain group of people that I'm with them, that I'm one of them? Uh, number two, we should ask ourselves, do I have the whole story? Uh, there's such a temptation to fire off hot takes about stories that are half baked that we may not know everything about. Um, there's this pull that you know, silence has violence if you don't say anything. But I get frustrated sometimes when. There's something going on in the world, and everybody's like, "Why are evangelical leaders silent?" And I'm like, uh, "Maybe they're not silent. They're just not on Twitter." <laughs> you know, they're talking to their mm. to their elders. They're visiting someone in the hospital. They're so don't feel the pressure to have to say something if you don't know the full story. We should get the full story. We should care about the truth. James one nineteen says, "Let everyone be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger." We might say that, uh, rephrase that, and say, "Let everyone be quick to." get the whole story slow to post slow to digital rage yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah that's, um, good.
3: that's good so so do we have the whole story also am i the right person to talk about this hmm. is this in my wheelhouse like i may have an opinion about this but am i the person to talk about this you might be but asking yourself that question and then if you're going to have a back and forth with somebody which again i think can happen i mean i do that all the time we have Conversations with people I disagree with or questions you ask people. Just reminding ourselves of a few things. Number one, the person I'm interacting with is a human being. They're not a set of pixels. They're not just an avatar to be crushed. They're human beings. Uh, They're not the sum total of their argument. I, I may think you are wrong or I may disagree with you, but that wrong opinion or that hot take is not all there is to you. You're a full human being. And then number two, rem- reminding ourselves that that I'm in public. So when you're online, you're in public. You're not just behind a keyboard. Yep, that's right. So let's just say you only have a hundred followers on Twitter or hundred friends on Facebook, which is pretty easy to do. Imagine a room of a hundred people, and you're yeah. you're standing up and you're speaking to somebody, or you're having a conversation with somebody else in a room where. You know, hundred people are watching. Wow. You'd probably say it differently. That's now imagine so if you good. have ten. You know, I have thirteen thousand followers on Twitter, which is not that much. That's like a minor league baseball stadium.
2: <gasps> oh my!
3: Sitting goodness. there, yes, watching me speak, and then what if I'm arguing with someone that also has fifteen? You know, now you're talking like. So, sometimes you get it'd be like a full football stadium or something, or even more than that. You would speak differently if you were on a stage across from someone having a debate. Mm-hmm. So just remember that you're in public, and and especially for leaders, like leaders have to got to remember that you are in public. You're modeling for people. Uh, this is why James three, I think, is so important for us. And James three basically says to people who have a platform, just understand the sober weight of your calling as a Christian leader. And then it goes right into the discourse about the tongue. And I think those two are tied together where he's saying the words that a leader says in public have more weight. Mm. And we know that's true, right? Because yeah. what 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 we do in moderation, our followers will do in excess. We, we are giving people a permission structure for how to behave themselves. Wow. So mm. I just think we have to remind ourselves of all that as we engage it. And that that shouldn't mean we, do, we don't engage. I mean, this is where the conversations are happening, but we have to understand that as we do it.
1: That's amazing, I mean just to just to think about it in that frame, right? Would you say this in a room of a hundred people, and even just right now, podcast mm-hmm. family, if you're listening, see how many and don't don't do this to make your yourself feel good or bad, but <laughs> just look at how many people you have on instagram or or Facebook friends or twitter and and yeah, I mean just just that in and of itself, I think should cause us to be. Uh, slow to speak.
2: (laughs) Right, to take a pause and take a breath for sure. Um, Dan, Mm -hmm. something that when you were talking about online discernment and using our words for good and for good conversations, a part of me that had a little bit of a Uh, dot, 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 I guess you could say a little bit of a question was how do we create healthy boundaries online? Especially let's say we're checking ourselves, we're checking our own hearts before God too, and knowing that, okay, I'm not potentially posting things on purpose to offend people or, you know, to make them rise out of anger so people can, you know, know me more whatsoever. But then there's perhaps other people on our social media that we've known from our past or uh, uh, just really speak in ways that don't edify other people, or don't really edify, or don't praise God in that sense. So, how can you help us and our podcast family sort of create healthy boundaries about having people on our social media?
3: Well, I think first of all, all of us struggle with what a healthy online life looks like. How much am I on Twitter? How much am I on my phone? Should I be? Should I, should I not be? I confess the fact that I I wrestle with that and I struggle with that. Like uh, I need to put the phone down more and pay attention more. Uh, I'm I'm working on that, and I I know a lot of people are struggle with that. There's a lot of really good books about you know the usage of it. I I am a lot of good people have advocated it kind of. Totally pulling away from social media uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily advocate that because I think this is where the conversations are happening and if you're a creator and a writer and a leader, you, you sort of have to be there mm-hmm. but uh, we do need to have discipline to understand that you know our online life is not real life mm-hmm. Twitter is not real life mm-hmm. the Facebook world's not real life they they are microcosm of it and so understanding that I think the quality of our offline life will determine the health of our online life mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that in a number of ways. Number one, if we have a healthy community around us offline, if we're regularly among people who are not online, I think primarily that can be the local church, right? I mean, I love going to a church where I'll bet 90% of the people aren't on Twitter. They don't know the last 15 controversies that happened. <laughs> um, they're blissfully unaware of that. And that's awesome. I also have a text thread of about five friends that we've been texting for about five years, And all my hot takes go in that text thread. Don't see the light of day. You know, and you just kind of have that back and forth push and accountability there so that you don't make a fool out of yourself (laughs) online. Um, but I think that's good. And then and this is gonna sound so cliched, but there's such a temptation for us to project a version of ourselves online that makes up for perceived gaps in our real life mm. so that we can find the affirmation we're looking for from a certain tribe. And this this happens across the board, whether you're someone who's really pugilistic and um, sharp online. And I've met some of these folks and you meet them in real life, and they're they're like meeker than a lamb, you know? And I think there's a tendency to want to project a courage a version of courage that maybe they never given credit for in real life, mm. or maybe you're a mom or a dad and you want to curate this version of a perfect mom or perfect family or or a pastor and you want to let everybody know that you're well read and well spoken and well thought out so you curate this version or you want to curate this version of an activist on the right side of history or something and underneath all that is a deep insecurity that I'm not enough and I read a great book last year called um seculosity by david zahl hmm. uh, and the bottom line of it all is that if you understand that you're known by god and that you know god uh it frees you up to be who god wants you to be and not have to pretend to be somebody if you understand that god loves the real version of you mm-hmm. the offline uncurated messy version of you the version of you that maybe isn't as courageous as your as you're pretending with your keyboard or maybe isn't as good of a dad as you curate on Instagram or maybe isn't as good of a of a mom or maybe isn't as much of an activist or a scholar or whatever. But God loves a real version of you. Mm. And once you understand that, you don't have to
0: sort of s- seek affirmation from a tribe. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Available wherever books are sold. Uh, Online.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Dan, I want to zoom in on on something you said a little bit earlier where you were talking about this courage. uh, Maybe a false sort of sense of courage that people have when it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm behind my keyboard. I'm going to say stuff that, man, I would never say that in front of a group of not even 100, let alone 10 people. But (laughs) there's, there's this courage that they... Have to send an email or post something on social media or just be incredibly opinionated and and with there not being all the other senses that you might uh, maybe it's sarcasm but it didn't they didn't know how to portray that via the keyboard. We we see uh, in in light of that in response to that we see a lot of silencing or unfriending or canceling mm. that happens on social media because honestly it's just easier <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. especially with um you know all the 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 polarization in our culture and the differing opinions and all the echo chambers and all that stuff there's just this tendency to do that so i guess the question is um because i don't think the answer is just always cancel and silence everyone that you disagree with but at at what point is it appropriate to do that
2: mm.
3: Well, there's a lot there, right? So I think taking that a few pieces at a time, mm-hmm. um, number one, we need to understand that courage and civility can go together. First Peter 3.15, uh, have an answer for every person who asks for the hope that lies within you, but do it with gentleness and kindness. Peter, who is no shrinking violet, Peter, who was, he was not afraid to speak his mind, to stand up, Peter, who was martyred for his faith, says, "Yes, have an answer. Speak into the questions of the age. Do it with courage. You're gonna, you're gonna say things. The gospel is gonna have implications that are not gonna go down well with the culture, and yet do it with gentleness and kindness. Hmm. And it's this idea that, again, courage and civility. We have this idea that they can't coexist, but the truth is, the loudest person in the room is not the most brave. Hmm. Um, you can be courage." Courageous without typing in all caps, for instance. Mm. <laughs> um so I think that's really important that we understand what courage is. Sometimes it's being silent, sometimes it's speaking up. Um so on the one hand, we don't make the mistake of saying, I'm not gonna say anything controversial because it's gonna offend people. Well, if you do that, you just might as well get out of ministry, get out of leadership.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: On the other hand, we also want to stay away from the model that says, unless I'm triggering someone, uh, then I'm not being courageous. Peter speaks against both of those. I think number two, you, you did speak to this idea that there's such a temptation for us to create our own bubbles in kind of echo chambers. And mm-hmm. I think this is really, really worrisome. Um, on the one hand, it is okay to mute or as Facebook has, like, what is that thirty day yeah,
2: silence snooze really or whatever, is.
3: <laughs> which is such a wonderful, wonderful button. You don't tell your sweet friend that. ah, Let's get past the election, and then I'll, then I'll read your stuff again. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, because if there's people whose takes just trigger something in you that make you, you know, like don't add stress to your life in that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's okay. Sometimes it's people who agree with you who just do it in a way that upsets you it's not always people who disagree with you by the way but um so that's okay on the other hand we have to be careful that we don't create news bubbles and i'm really nervous about this i Mm -hmm. think there are almost two separate and equal echo chambers in america where we we process the news differently we get the news differently um you i've described it to other people that twitter and facebook are almost like two different worlds um I love Twitter. I use it all the time. But Twitter, I've learned in the last few years, is really like a green room. It's leaders. It's elites. It's people who make their living like we do, creating content, who are around other peers. Mm-hmm. So Twitter's like the green room. Facebook is more like the the crowd. Facebook is the masses. And if leaders spend too much time in either one, we won't lead well. Mm-hmm. If I'm if if I am catechized by Twitter. Mm-hmm. I will be out of touch with my people, and I've seen this happen in organizations I've mm. seen it happen with with leaders um, on the other hand, you can get into a echo chamber in the Facebook world where it's you don't, you you don't have a dose of reality either. uh we do this with our news
1: mm-hmm.
3: right wing news left wing news you know we just do it that conforms we want news that tells us what we want to hear instead of what is actually happening. We have to be careful, and I think we need to curate news from a broad variety of people and voices and sources so that uh, we're not stuck in one place because we'll have a version of what's happening, but it won't be the full version, won't be reality. So we have to be very careful and guard against that um, That tendency. Uh, the Bible doesn't just deliver to us news we want to hear, <laughs> right? The Bible is full of inspiration mm. and full of wonderful passages that we put on wall calendars. But the Bible also tells us sober reality about ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we're dead in trespasses and sins, that we we don't deserve the mercy of God. It tells us about the, the, the truth about the state of humanity. It tells the truth about the heroes in the Bible. It doesn't just give the, the sanitized version. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we should adopt in our own lives. If if we are people who are obeying Philippians 4, eight and we're meditating on what is true, then we have to actually ask ourselves. Do I just want to hear things that conform to my worldview? Do I just want to hear things that I want to be true? Or am I willing to hear news even if it's bad news? Hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a, a incredible challenge and encouragement to us personally and as well as our podcast family. Now, Dan, how do we do that? Because I think if we are in our Facebook, let's say in our Twitter, and we only have certain uh, voices that we're reading, we might think that's the truth and nothing but the truth. And then when we're reading something else from maybe a different point of view, a different news source that really could look like fake news, I'm using the quotations, fake news to us. Mm -hmm. So is there a certain framework of discernment that we can use to read it, read the news well and know what's real and, and what's fake, even though, uh, it may not portray what we believe.
3: Yeah, that, it's getting harder because you know it seems like every news source has a um, has some kind of bent or some kind of point of view. <laughs> I, I think we have to get news from places that are willing to just call it straight, call it like it is, even if they have an ideological perspective. So, there's a few places I like to read. Like I read, I read World Magazine because I think World's conservative, but World's also not afraid to just report, even if it doesn't make conservatives happy. Uh, I like the Dispatch that is a kind of a new news outlet that, uh, again, leans to the right, but also just has facts and information. And And then I try to read from some more left-leaning places. I, I try to re- read a, uh, from a variety of places and just um, – if multiple news organizations kind of confirm the same thing,
2: hmm.
3: whether it's Fox on one hand or CNN on the other hand, the, kind of the same set of facts – I think we have to ask ourselves this seems to be true this mm. seems like they're both reporting this you know but sometimes it's hard to peel back the layer um uh, I think a lot of news organizations can can be biased in the way that they gather facts or what they consider is a big deal what they push to a ner- news alert on your phone the other thing we have to caution to is our news diet I think Andy Crouch said it best when he said we were not built to handle this much breaking news and information yeah we just weren't yeah and, and you think about this we think we have to have a take on everything right mm-hmm. i mean 20 years ago i did not know what some random dude five states away thought about a major global crisis but now you know we have to comment on it we have to. so <laughs> I, I think those are all things to factor in
1: you know Dan, that's that's so helpful, and, and there's there's so much in this interview that uh, just you you've pointed out and you said without saying, right? So even that sense podcast family that every uh, newspaper, news uh, channel, website, I mean, there's a bias to it, and I and I think it's hard to find those um, those truly neutral truly neutral because neutral uh, doesn't sound no it, yeah <laughs> exactly right so so yes uh you might be watching and getting all your news from a left leaning, uh, you know, show and and or 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 newspaper or or BuzzFeed article or whatever, or it's or it's right leaning, and and I would even say I, I was gonna make a joke while you're going in there about you know if you if you're just depressed, just watch the Tonight Show. But you know what, the Tonight Show, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon leans one way as well. When you look at what he comments on over and over and over again, so I mean, I love I love the guy, like he's hilarious, and we've and we've seen him in person, but it's just. Like, there's bias going on everywhere. So so what you said from that sense of, okay, first of all, recognize that. And, and yeah, you know what? I mean, we're back in Canada now and, and we're Canadians. And, and believe it or not, for all our Canadian listeners, the Canadian news outlets... There's left leaning and right leaning, and there are some centrist ones, but they're, they're they they more typically lean left or right, and they'll never come out and say it, but you can read between the lines mm-hmm. and see how they lean, and and to be able to just do a self audit on hey, uh, which way am I being influenced by my outlets and by my I mean that's going to be so informative. So, Dan... Man, um, what are, th- thank you, first of all, thank you so much for just the time to catch up and and to connect and, and talk about your book. Uh, Dan's the author of uh, multiple books, the newest one being Away With Words, which we were talking about today, uh, subtitle being Using Online Conversations for Good. So, Dan, what's the best way for people to follow along with you and and just to continue to dig in uh, beyond buying your book?
3: Well, you can go to my website, danieldarling.com. God got my Books and podcasts and um articles there you could follow me if you can handle it on twitter (laughs) at dan darling a lot of sports takes a lot of all kinds of stuff um and funny stuff and then serious things so those are two good good ways to follow me uh but man i appreciate being on with you guys i love the ministry that you're doing
1: awesome awesome hey thank you so much dan for being with us So if you want to dig deeper into what we covered today, we want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Daniel's newest book, Away With Words, using online conversations for good.
2: Yeah, there are so many amazing nuggets of wisdom in his book. For me, I really enjoyed even in the last uh, um, few appendixes that he was talking about and he touched a little bit on our podcast about ways to read the news, right? The way to discern whether this is fake news or whether it's, you know, more on the right side or left side or so on and so forth. And to be able to make sure that we have a discerning mind and a critical thinking aspect to even reading the news because just because someone posted it doesn't necessarily mean... It's 100% true.
1: Hmm. So just head on over to inbetween.org slash episode 125 for a link to the book for and for everything else that we talked about today. And we would be honored if you would share this episode with a friend and uh, perhaps your spouse or someone else that has come to mind while you were listening to this. You can just hit the share button on your podcast app or just text them the link inbetween.org slash episode 125.
2: Yeah, if you have a child who's older, maybe reading the news from, for themselves, I think this would be a wonderful episode.
1: Episode to pass on to them all right so next week on episode 126 we're going to be talking about the most wonderful
2: stressful season? <laughs> oh, yeah i can't even sing. we're right going now. to be <laughs> talking about the five ways to reduce holiday stress
0: yes all right so we'll catch you next week this episode was brought to you in part by the compelled podcast